the uh, Texas district. I appreciate Brother Kilgore and uh, his fine ability, his ministry, known him all of uh, my ministry, and uh, certainly appreciate the leadership that he is doing in this uh, wonderful district. Thank the Lord. Brother Booker preached a wonderful message to us, and mine will not be far afield. It's almost as though they are tied together. But uh, God has His way of doing things. Amen. And we will uh, not argue with Him. As we said uh, yesterday, we lift up holy hands, the men, without anger and without argument. And uh, that's exactly what we intend to do, is to worship the Lord. Praise God. Would you like to study the Word of the Lord a little bit today? Thank God. I'll move right into it, and I'll be moving pretty fast in uh, some areas, so you'll need to um, listen fast. I'm going to the book of Hebrews again. Yesterday was also a text from there. But uh, the book of Hebrews, as I said, is the deepest theology of the Bible. And uh, whoever wrote it uh, did not know Hebrew. Brother Booker said he, he believed it was Paul. That's fine. Many, many believe that. I don't know. I wasn't there when it was written. All we have is just some um, paleographic uh, evidences uh, one side or another. But the writer did not know Hebrew. When he quoted the Old Testament, which was frequent, he quoted the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation of the Old Testament made 200 years before Christ. And um, the Jews were afraid that uh, Greek becoming so popular, becoming the world language, that uh, they would lose the Hebrew and lose the Bible. And so uh, they had it translated into Greek. So the book of Hebrews is passing through two languages before it gets are uh, coming into English. When it does that, anytime you pass through a language, you lose something because there are things built in the words that uh, are impossible. There are some things impossible to translate because we don't have proper uh, equipment that is their lives and their culture that went into it. But I'm going to the uh, second book our second chapter of uh, Hebrews, the first verse, and uh, it'll sound a little strange to you. I will translate it from the original Greek. In fact, uh, from the oldest copy we have, manuscript of this uh, book of Hebrews. Because of this, 
it is necessary that we tie down the things are more like a boat. The things that we have heard, lest we slip past the harbor. For if the word spoken by angels became firm, and every stepping around, and ever listening around it, received a just payback of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Everybody say, God bless your word. You may be seated. He is saying that we need to tie down our moor as you tie a moor boat. Tie the boat down lest we pour a meaning, lest we slip past the harbor, lest we miss the harbor. It's easy to do. It's easy to not have these things secured and every stepping around them. And I know a lot of people that do a lot of stepping around the Word of God. And every listening around the Word of God receives a just payback of reward, how are we going to escape if we neglect such a great salvation? The book of Hebrews is about how great a salvation we have. How great and how much better is our gospel than the law? How much greater is our high priest than the high priest of the law, and uh, he makes it altogether plain so that we should understand exactly how great the salvation is. He says, first of all, this salvation is great because God is great. And he quotes from the Old Testament. And every time uh, that he quotes from the Old Testament, I have returned to the Old Testament itself and translated from the Hebrew by passing the Septuagint, translated from the Hebrew. And uh, there is some things that you will appreciate a difference. And uh, Psalms 104, Oh, Yahweh! My God, or my Lord, my God, you are exceedingly great. You put on majesty and honor while covering yourself with light like a cloak. Stretch forth out the heavens like a curtain, and he sets the rafters of his loft in the waters, the very top of his house. The rafters of his loft are in the waters, but he makes clouds his chariots. 
And he marches on the wings of the wind. And he makes angels and fiery flames his servants. In the Septuagint, it says that he makes his servants fiery flames. But the Hebrew says that he makes fiery flames and winds to be his servants. This God is great because he's so big. He rides, his chariots are the thick clouds, the rafters of the loft are in the, in the waters. Job and Amos says that he goes out of his tent like a bridegroom and he marches to the farthest regions of the darkness and he returns through Orion, Pleiades, and through Sagittarius. The universe, we are just now learning how big it is. But it makes no difference how big. Science, or we know the universe is, He is still greater than it all. I believe that He is before all things. And by Him all things exist. Praise God. Did it start with just, as science says now, as a grain of mustard seed and explode? Is that how it began? If it is, then He is the one who did it. Just found out that uh, there's life on Mars. By some uh, spore, some uh, bacterial element, claim they just discovered it. That's a lie. They just now made it known to us. It was discovered several years ago. They are letting us know things a little bit at a time, and uh, that is as our government is letting us know just a little bit at a time. But I tell you this, Paul says there are bodies that are earthly, and then there are bodies that are epurenu, that are above the heavens. By that, he means above the firmament, which is rakish in the Hebrew, and is actually the hammered bracelet, translated the hammered bracelet, or the asteroid belt. There are bodies that are earthly, and there are bodies that are in the farthest region of the universe. I don't mean floating nebula. I don't mean just wind. I don't mean just spirit. But there are bodies. And Paul names some of them, calls some of them first things, or very old beings. Then he calls some of them authorities. He calls some of them rulers. He calls some of them things that are invisible. And he calls them things that are visible. 
But I tell you that God is great and the salvation is great because He is above all God blessed forever. Amen. It says that um, He uh, takes the universe or the planet, the solar system, and it grows old to Him. And it says He takes it off and folds it like a garment, lays it aside, this universe. Then he picks up another one and he puts it on like a fresh vesture. How many worlds has God made? How many solar systems has he made? I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that it all has come down to be revealed by his very name. It is Elohim Yahweh. It means the independent one who continues to reveal himself. He had to have somebody like him to reveal himself to. And that's where man comes in. Then it says, The salvation is great because man is great. For he did not, for to angels he did not subject the age that is about to come concerning which things he has spoken. But somewhere, someone witnessed saying, what is Adam, which is blood, basic man? What is Adam that you remember him or the son of Enosh, which means human being, the connotation of a spiritual being? God, since you're so great and you're so big and wherever there are creatures, Call them aliens, call them whatever you want to. I believe God has them all over the universe. But you're so great. What is man, Adam, basic man, that you remember him? And what is Enosh, the human being, that you pay him any attention? Listen. Here's the way the Hebrew reads. Because you made him lack just a little from Elohim. Not angels, but from God. You made him lack just a little from God. And you crowned him with glory and honor. And you subjected all things beneath his feet. There is nothing that is yet to be subjected that has not been subjected. Amen. Listen, we've got to tie down this boat, the things we've heard, 
lest we slip past the harbor. If we miss how great God is, we'll slip past the harbor. But if you don't realize how great man is, you'll also slip past the harbor. For it is said, Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for he is the image of God. I told you yesterday how that in 1 Corinthians it says the order of divine series, how that men and women are supposed to wear their hair and men are to have short hair because he is the image and reflection of God. Woman is the image and reflection of man. Someone asked me uh, to say a little bit more about it. Can I just uh, digress here for a moment? Somebody says, it doesn't say it's a shame or a sin. It only says it's a shame. The same word is used in Jude to refer to, refer to those whose shame is foaming up. For whom they, the chains of darkness are reserved forever. It doesn't say it's sin. It says it's their shame. But because of that shame, they're going into the chains of gloom, zophos, into the ages and of the ages. I would hate to stand back and try to make a difference between what God means between sin and shame. Shame is actually the emotion of sin. Amen? And I tell you, man is going a long way to try to get to do some things he wants to minimize what God has said. Amen. I, I tell you, as it's already been preached here today, he stands by it. I don't believe one word is going to pass by or we're going to get away with it. There are too many that are stepping around it and too many who are listening around it. And they're putting it in their own words. Amen? God have mercy. Man is made in the... Oh, somebody said, well, what about that last verse? Where it says, but if any man seems contentious. The original reads, and if a man is considering being a philonicus, a lover of fight, and if a man is considering being a fight lover, we have no such habit, neither do the churches of God. He does dust, uh, did not dismiss the whole chapter by saying, if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. He is simply saying, and if you're thinking about arguing about it, and if you're thinking about fighting about it, that's not the habit of the church. We don't do that. We take the Word of God exactly like it is. All right? Amen. Have you got it? Will you tie it down today? Will you anchor that boat on what I just said? Amen. 
Don't step around it. Don't listen around it. Because you'll drift past the harbor. I'll tell you what that means in just a little bit. But Adam was made in the image and likeness. Two different things. Not only in the two-poise carved figure. We know how it looked because he was made on the two-poise, the carved figure of him who was to come. That is in Jesus Christ. That's why he is the firstborn of every creature. He saw what he would look like when he came in flesh, and we are made on the order of him who was to come. Say, praise the Lord. Not only in the two-poise, but in the likeness. You are the only creature that is in the likeness of God, where the attributes of God will exude and will make himself manifest. I used to have a donkey named Jubal. And Jubal used to stand out and watch me when I was outside everywhere I went. I don't know what the mule was thinking, but I promise you, he never did stand and think like I did to look up into the heavens and say, Who am I? I wonder how far it is up there. No creature but man who desires omniscience. I've got to go back, if you will, just a little bit, and we are going to restudy uh, Adam, if you don't mind, because I'm going to record the scripture that I used yesterday, but go just a little farther. Is everybody listening? Nod your head, shake your bush, say amen. Therefore, I want men to pray everywhere while holding up holy hands without anger, anger and argument. Similarly, I want women to dress themselves in modest apparel with uh, shamefacedness or hakerponim, shocked or blanched face, and decency not with entwining of hair and gold or the putting on of pearls or expensive clothes, but that which is right for women claiming godliness through good works. Now I'm going into a new area. Listen to it. Let a woman learn in silence. This is a sticky wicket. Let a woman learn in silence with all subjection. I do not permit a woman to teach or to take mastery over a man, but to be in silence. Why? It's like I told you yesterday. Paul always goes back to the beginning. Because Adam was formed first. This is why it's supposed to be this way. Adam was formed first, then Eve. Amen? Now, before I move into the other part, let me mention what it is actually saying here. He discussed this at the close of the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians after the gifts and said, uh, and I want the women to be in silence. Actually, they were taking over by the use of the gifts. But, um, but he said uh, here, I will not allow a woman to teach. Teaching was an authoritative position in that day. They were called masters. Or to, King James says, usurp 
authority. They, they, they did as good as they could with the tools they had. The word is authentine, only used one time in, uh, in our Bible and very few times outside of our Bible. But it comes from the word autosien, which means self-weapons. She is not to use self-weapons to gain authority over men. I don't think I have to explain that. Amen. Femininity. And to take authority because she has this femininity and is able to woo and able to be pretty. All right? It's quiet here today. It doesn't mean she can't speak because Paul says a woman praying or prophesying, which we know they did. Several daughters who prophesied. We know they did do that. But to take mastery over a man, why? Because of the order of creation. Adam was made first, then Eve. Then listen. And Adam did not begin to be deceived. It is, a, it is an aggressive, which means it didn't even begin to be that way. And when it uses the word deceived here, it is the milder form of the word epitrathe. Uh, Adam did not begin to be deceived, but Eve was deceived out. It is epitrathe. It, like, uh, it is like a one athlete faking out another athlete. Are you familiar with the term? He makes a certain move in front of the other athlete and fakes him out. Adam did not begin to be deceived, but Eve was deceived out. We need to follow uh, exactly what happened just a little bit. Did you know that God brought every animal to Adam and he named them. And yet it said there was not a mate that was suitable for him. He, named, he saw the male and female of the different species, but there was none uh, that was suitable for him. No, nope, none of those look good. No, none of those understand what, what I'm like. There was nothing. He was a creature alone. In the image of God, not another being, not another animal, not another creature could understand whom he was. So God put him to sleep, what an operation, and took from him and made Eve listen to him. It was Adam who prophesied, and here's what he said from the original, at last, when God presented Eve to Adam, at last, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. This is really me. And he said, because of this, 
A man will leave his, not a woman leave her father and mother, but a man will leave his father and mother and will stick with her. This is why a woman is not to take mastery over a man because Adam was formed first, but he was tremendously impressed with Eve and said, that's actually me. Now, did you know when Satan came, he talked to Eve, he asked her a question. He didn't come say, here, eat this fruit. Uh, he did like an insurance salesman. Insurance salesman doesn't say, look, you, you ought to buy this policy. He says, uh, if, uh, you know, something were to happen, what would happen to your loved ones? So the devil said to Eve, has God told you that you should not eat of the tree of this, or fruit of this certain tree? Ask your question. Just put it in your mind. And she answered and added to it a little exaggeration. We're not to eat of the tree, and we're not to even touch it. God didn't say you couldn't touch it. That was her exaggeration. We can't do anything. Amen? I mean, we can't, we can't eat it. We can't even touch it. That sounds like people I know. I, I sorry to say some women I know, but that sounds, I better be people you know. <laughs> and he said, he said to her, God knows that the day you eat it, you will be omniscient. You will be like God. It was a lie. The day you eat that, you will be equal to God. You will be exactly like God. It was a lie. So Eve saw that it was good for food. It was good to look at. And it was desirable because it would make you omniscient. She was deceived out. You want to know why Paul is telling us how things are supposed to work? It's because of this reason. She was deceived out. She brought it to Adam. He had a choice. He was not deceived at all. God had said, the day you eat it, you'll die. When he saw Eve eat the fruit, he knew she was dying. He had a choice. Either he did not eat, and she died, and he would be alone again, or else he would eat and die with her. Are you listening? Paul teaching the Ephesians said that... Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Women are to revere and honor their husbands, respect their husbands. And He tells us the reason why. 
He did not, Christ did not maintain his status of deity. He was God in flesh. Amen? He could have stayed as he was, but the choice was there. Remember, he said, nobody takes my life. I lay my life down. Amen. But he can either stay as he is, or he can die like her. She's dying. The woman is dying. The church is dying. You and I are dying. You want to know how much we laugh at the statement where she called, uh, Sarah called her husband Lord. We laugh at that because we don't know the depth of what is being addressed. We don't know the depth of what it means when it says he gave himself for her. Amen? This is the kind of love that's supposed to go on. I tell you, marriage is treated too lightly even in Pentecostal circles. Preacher preached about it last night. Several wives and the one you have now is not your wife. Amen. We excuse it and go along with it. And I'm not going to preach on that. I should and could. But I'll just tell you this. He could have remained as he was. But he chose to die. And through that death, was able to redeem you and I. Praise God. We are one with him. And because he has the power of resurrection, he is able to resurrect us as well. Aren't you glad that we are the body of Christ? Amen. We are the body of Christ, and He has designated that we should also reign with Him. It is purely the choice that God has given to us that we can make. Notice the Scripture said, By one man's sin, death came upon all. Not by one woman's sin. She sinned first. Why didn't God say, by one woman's sin, death came upon all? No, it says, by Adam's transgression. By one man's sin, death came upon all. Why did it say it like that? It doesn't mean that she is free of the penalty of sin. But Adam, because she was part of him, was responsible for the unit. That is why her sin was considered his sin, and it was Adam's sin that brought death upon all mankind. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Praise God. Adam's sin it was. I'm telling you that there are things that we need to pay attention to in the Word of God. The Scripture talks very plainly about how this message, this is such a great salvation. It's great because God is great. 
Thank God. He rides the thick clouds. And he marches on the wings of the wind. He is so old that he puts on a new universe every now and then. But it's all so great because man is great. He made him in his image and in his likeness. Thank God. It's all so great. But he said, man was crowned with glory and honor. He was made all things subjected unto Him. There is nothing that is to be subjected that has not already been subjected. Then He adds a qualifying note, but we see not all things yet subjected. Something is still wrong. The design was that this man that was in the image of God was going to be crowned with glory and honor and everything subjected unto Him, but we don't see that happening altogether right now. Then he adds the phrase, but we see Jesus. Oh, there is in that statement a wonderful delivery and a wonderful outcome for the whole program. We don't see everything subjected unto man yet, but we see Jesus. Thank God. He was made just a little lower than the angels, but He was crowned with glory and honor. He suffered death for all mankind. The Scripture said it to me, lead many sons to glory. The Bible calls Him the pioneer of life. Where it says Prince of Life, He is the pioneer of life. It means He is the only one that has ever lived this life through the way it ought to be. Oh, what a wonder He was. Amen. He was God and man fused into one glorious, unique being. He could act and speak as man, and He could act and speak as God. Oh, glory to God! He prayed as man, but He answered prayer as God. They didn't know that standing in front of them was all power of heaven and earth brought into one being, and it was for one purpose to come down in front of that creature that had been made in His image and in His likeness and to show Him how it was done. Praise God. Amen. But we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor and all of the things that He was able to do for us. Satan had a bind a binding element upon man, but God was able, through coming in flesh, to release that from the fear of death of men who all of their lifetime were subject unto that fear. So that the question is asked now, death, where is your sting grave? Where is your victory? I'll tell you this. This salvation has been said Enough times, enough ways, so that it should not be misunderstood by anybody. Praise God. It was preached repentance and baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost. But there are some among us 
who are claiming now we need to bridge the gap and we need to become uh, kind of floating in with everybody else. It doesn't make any difference what name you use when you're baptized. Amen? I've got a Scripture for you also in the book of Hebrews. And I always thought it was talking about backsliders as far as just pure old sinners were concerned. But it's not. It's talking about it's talking about the people who have known the truth. It says it is impossible for those who attack once and for all enlightened. Hear me now and never forget it. Tie it down. Moor this down. If you don't, you're going to slip past the harbor. You will only be enlightened once. And that is for all. Once and for all enlightened. You may sin and repent and come back to God, but you will never be re-enlightened. Once you have said there is one God and His name is one and He demands repentance, He demands holiness, and you go from that, you will never be re-enlightened. Amen? That's the most fearful thing of all. I believe it is talking uh, mainly about the ministry. You have once only once and for enlightenment comes only that one time. Repent, pray through over some sin, but you'll never be re-enlightened. And then you've tasted of the heavenly gift. You've been made partners with the Holy Ghost. Tasted of the powers of the age that is about to come. And you fall away, which is a completed state. It's impossible to renew you again unto repentance. May I thank God today that I still preach what I did when I preached for Brother Barry many years ago. Amen. I still believe you ought to walk right. You ought to talk right. You ought to look right. Amen. I believe God expects us to be holy. Why? Because that's the way He is. We are in His image and in His likeness. The question is not what can I do to get by and still be called that, but the question is how much can I be like Him? That's what I want to find out. Therein is my salvation. How can I be like Him? Somebody said, what about these that are changing their doctrine?" Paul says, or pardon me, Jude says, you pity them, but you do it with fear. Amen. Paul says, have no verbal exchange with them. Is that plain enough? Verbal exchange ruins... Your pure morals. 
They've called me a lot of times and said, I wish you would go talk to this brother. I wish you'd go talk to this one. I have nothing to say. Praise God. The policy was, he was writing about, it got where they were mixing philosophy with the doctrine. And you wind up with a freak. Anytime you start mixing up this doctrine with philosophy and with the culture and with the social structure that's around you, we can't pay any attention to how the rest of the religious world acts or what they say or what they do. We can't pay any attention to them whatsoever. But we have one thing to look at has already been preached, and it's this word right here. Amen. They got so strange, they would, they would baptize you, but they didn't believe in a resurrection from the dead. That's a freak. That's, that's a strange put together. They'll baptize you, but they don't believe in a resurrection from the dead. Well, a baptism presupposes a resurrection. That's what it means. When I'm baptized, I believe I'm going to rise to walk in the newness of life. And if the same Spirit that dwells in Jesus Christ dwell also in you, it's going to make alive your mortal body. Glory. But you start mixing it with the surrounding philosophy and the culture and everybody putting their two cents worth in on it. Amen. And you start being more like them than this. Then he tells us for you to have any verbal exchange with them ruins your pure morals. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the gospel that I heard. I'm so glad they didn't care who was there or what you thought or what you're going to say about it. They preached the truth anyhow. We would not have been here today, none of us, if there had not been men who stood on their two feet and said, this is what the Word of God says. Amen. We're have going to stand on this very Word itself. Praise God. And you are afraid, the Scripture says. I gave you yesterday the illustration about... Um, about the priest. If a man has a piece of holy meat associated with the temple and he touches something unclean, by his touching that thing unclean, does it make what he touches holy? The answer came, no. He said, all right. But if a man has a piece of holy meat or bread in his pocket, and he touches that which is unclean, does it make him unholy? The answer came back, Yes. We cannot make them holy by our association. But it can make us unholy by going their direction. 
Amen. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to be nice and we're not supposed to be kind. That just means, brother, there is no fellowship between light and between darkness. I don't care if they call it Phariseeism. They wouldn't know what a Pharisee was if it was to come up and hit them with their phylactery. Those people who are calling uh, oneness God, one God, Jesus name, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, holy rollers, calling them Pharisees, they wouldn't know a Pharisee if he was to come up and hit them with a phylactery. You know what a Pharisee was? He wasn't a follower of the Torah or the Word. It wasn't that he was legal about the Word. He was a Talmudist. The Talmud is a commentary on the Mishnah, which is a commentary on the Torah, the law. They were, li- they were following a commentary of a commentary that was a commentary. And it was so far from God, Jesus said, You praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. I'm going to tell you what a Pharisee is, all right? Didn't Jesus say it? You praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. He was quoting from the book of Isaiah, which says that you hand the book, you hand the law to a learned man, and you tell him, read that for me. And he picks it up and he says, it's too mysterious. It's too hard, I can't read it. So you hand it to an ignorant man. And the illiterate man. And you tell him, read that for me. He's got a legitimate excuse. He says, I can't read. All right? They agree together. They can't read it. And they can't understand it. But we're going to praise God anyhow. That's exactly what a Pharisee is. It's those who can't pay attention to the Word, who don't understand the Word, but they're going to praise God anyhow. Amen? I believe that we ought to make an effort to understand and read and know what the book says. But this thing is spiritually judged or discerned, and a fleshly man cannot understand it. You're going to have to get the Holy Ghost down on the inside before you're able to pick up this Word and appreciate what it actually says. You won't love every line. You won't love every word if you don't have the Spirit of God within you. He has designed it so that those who should know will know. And those who should not know Will not know. Listen to me for a moment. It said, Judas went, got up to leave, go betray the Lord. Judas went out into the night. Then you have an oon, an inferential. Therefore, because it said Judas got up and went out, therefore, Jesus said to his disciples, Because Judas left, he was going to say certain things. He talked to them for a while, and then he says, I'm not going to talk to you much longer. 
because the ruler of this world is coming back. And he has nothing in me. He don't know me. I got to wondering what all he said in that period of time while Judas was gone. You know what he said? One place Philip said, show us the Father. He said, have I been with you so long? And you don't know who I am? He that has seen me has seen the Father. That's ludicrous language for anybody except Jesus Christ. A mere man say that, that's crazy. When you see me, you see him, that's crazy. But he who was God and man could say, when you see me, you see him. Judas never heard that. Secrets of the church. Judas never heard that. Amen. Many things. He talked to them in parables. The disciples said, Lord, don't talk to us in parables anymore, but talk to us plainly. Jesus said, I have spoken to you in parables so that they who should know will know, and those who should not know will not know. There will be nobody that stands at judgment that was ever given the Word of God that did not deserve it. Somebody said, what about those that you just talked about who are enlightened once and for all and go away? Peter says a strange thing happens to them. They forget that they were cleansed from their old sin. It's a strange thing. When you're moving toward Him, He opens up to you. But when you start moving away from Him, you begin to forget what you know about Him. Check it out. It doesn't mean that you forget a day, an hour, or a particular time. It is simply saying you forget the value of the experience so that it is not a worthy component in your life anymore. Praise God. There's only one thing for us to do. We've got to, we've got to go deeper and we've got to become more like Him every day. The longer, the farther we go. Amen. Praise God. This is a great salvation because God is great, because man is great, and because Jesus was great. Hallelujah. And you wonder how Satan hopes to win? I'll tell you one thing tomorrow, I'll be on prophecy some perhaps, but I'm going to tell you something that he is able to do for you and I that Satan has never planned on. And that is that he's going to change us in a moment. The word is atomai, an atom, the smallest particle of matter. He's going to change us in the atom of an eye. And it has been translated as the blinking of an eye, the quivering of a leaf, the flutter of a bird's wing. He says, that quick! We're not going to prevent those that are dead, the dead in Christ, are going to rise first. But we which are alive and remain shall be harpadzo, stolen out of here. Thank God. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. Walking around in this body, amen, the next thing you know, Oh, Paul said, I 
was harpazo, he used the same word. I was caught up harpazo into the third heaven, into paradigm. And I saw, I heard things that are too sacred to tell. But the thing that concerned him all the time that was happening was, he said it three times, two or three times, I don't know whether I was in the body or I was out of the body. Praise God. I'll tell you what you're going to be thinking when you're raptured. Is this me? Is this me? Or is this somebody else? Hallelujah to God. I'll tell you what the great thing that makes man great is he is able to receive a spirit within him that changes him from day to day. Hallelujah. And Peter said that that light is going to shine like a lamp in a dirty place till the phosphorus, the word in Greek is phosphorus, it means bearing light of itself. Amen. Until the phosphorus rises in our hearts. Oh, glory. One of these days you're going to start shining more and more. I quoted it yesterday. We go from day to day and look at ourselves in a mirror and watch ourselves change into His image from day to day. From glory to glory. But someday, he said, the day's going to dawn. Phosphorus is going to rise in your heart. Hallelujah to God. And you're going to be snatched out of here. Thank God. That's why man is so great and why God is so great. He is able to fill him within his spirit. Glory, glory, glory. Ah, Peter tried to describe it and said it was brighter. I saw him move from one form into another. And he said his, his clothes, his face was white like, or was brighter than the sun, but his face, his, his face was bright like the sun, but his clothes were whiter than a soap maker was able to make them. I don't know what the last hours of the church are going to be like, but I, we may all be sitting around the presence of God grow greater and greater in our heart until we see one another start shining more and more than we ever had before. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Booker said this man's face shone. I want to know anybody here believe that God is able to make a man's face shine? Thank God. That's what's going to happen to you. We don't know what we shall be, but we know when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. Glory to God, we're going to shine like Him. Thank God, because we're going to see Him just like He is. One of these days, we're going to look at one another and say, God's going to say, I'm going to have to get them out of there. They're starting to shine a little too much. Amen. Thank God. I tell you what, every now and then the glory of God gets to moving in my soul. And it's joy without really knowing why it's joy. 
and a peace that passes understanding be driving your car down the road. Thank God, and a peace and a joy come over you. Thank God you just nearly have to park and pull over to the side of the road because it's uh, one of these days that's going to get greater and that's going to get greater and that's going to get greater until you notice something is changing about you and you look down and you say, what's going on here? Is this me? Am I still in this body or am I out of this body? Hallelujah. Brother Hennigan did that. Brother David Hennigan driving down the highway. Holy Ghost came on him. He started getting so happy. Woo! He started feeling good. He felt like he needed to shout. So he just pulled the car over to the side of the road. And he got out and he started running around, around, around the car. Wouldn't you know it, a policeman pulled up behind him. Cop got out and wanted to see his license. Anybody run around around the car like that, you need to see their license. Check them out. Make sure you know what's going on. Amen. The policeman said, sir, you seemed a little bit disoriented. He said, I am just a little bit. <laughs> oh, glory. He said, what, what are you? What do you do? He said, I'm a preacher. He said, I kind of thought that's what was going on. <laughs> We're better known than what you think we are. Amen. There's only one group of people that ever just get out and run around around their car because they feel so good every now and then. I'll tell you, one moment in the presence of God is greater than all of the hours that the world spends in their pleasure. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, bless His name. This is a great salvation. It's great to have the hope down in my heart that I am going to be snatched out of here. Somebody said, I don't like you people. That's all right. Just give us a little time. We're going to be out of here before you know it. You're not going to have food with us much longer. I believe it's about all over. Hallelujah. They've been made fun of, persecuted, uh, tied to the stake and burned. I know they don't like us. We're a conscience to this world. Amen. Amen. Our request is like uh, Moses to the king of Edom. Let me pass, I pray thee, through thy land. I just want to get through here. I want to eat of the fruit of your vineyards. And I won't drink of the water of your well, but I'm going to go by the king's highway. And I'm not going to turn to the right. I'm not going to turn to the left until I get past your borders. Hallelujah to God. I got a promise to this world. I don't need what you need. To get by. I don't have to have what you have to get by. I don't need the world. I don't need the entertainment. I'm getting a little scared of how I see us trying to entertain in church the same way. 
Amen. This great salvation is not predicated on how big a crowd there is. Nor how professional the choir sounds. It is not predicated upon how smooth the preacher is. And how well versed he is. And how he can sing everybody to sleep with his message. This salvation is predicated that God is great. Man is great. And Jesus Christ is great. And we're becoming more like Him every day. Just let me through here. That's all I want. I, you don't have a thing in the wall I need. Jesus didn't claim to be a gourmet meal. He said, I am bread and I am water. And you live on that. You don't have to have all the fancy stuff. Just bread and water. And you can live on it. Hallelujah. How many believe that He is all that we need? Oh, glory to God. He's everything. He is all. He is all that I need. He is all that I need. Oh, bless His name. I want you to tie it down today. Moor the boat down. The things you've heard, lest you slip past the harbor. Praise God. I'm heading straight for that harbor. And I've got everything tied down safely. And I'm just waiting on Him to come. Oh, glory. I don't know what kind of sound it's going to be. It may be just a feeling within my heart, like this is it. Hallelujah. When I feel my feet begin to leave the ground, I just want to lean back and take it easy and say, devil, kiss my foot. I've made it in. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to know how long it's been since you've had the Holy Ghost to take over you or take you over and make you shout and make you worship like you never. I'm talking about the real stuff. How long has it been since you've had Him make you feel like this is a rapture. This is, this is almost it. Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm almost gone here. How long has it been? I say it needs to happen to us quite often. Hallelujah. My son was standing with me. We were at a conference, a general conference, brethren. Remember that? A sacrament and feet washing or a sacrament service that was going on. And that huge crowd in that auditorium of preachers, just preachers, waves of the glory of God were sweeping over the preachers. You remember Brother Kildor? It would subside... Then it would start up at the front again, and the wave would just start sweeping over the congregation of preachers. I don't know who all felt it, but I felt the floor trembling under my feet. My son felt it as well. He was standing by me, and he said, Daddy, is this the rapture of the church? Is this?" I said, just be still and wait. Hallelujah. Amen. 
by that I meant it could be. It very possibly could be. Hallelujah to God. Amen. The place where they prayed was shaken. Four going to begin to shake. Glory to God. And the next thing you know, you're going to look down and you say, this is not me. Hallelujah to God. There's a little difference in you when you get glorified. Jesus joined two of His disciples on Emmaus Road. He just joined them. If I had been just joined by somebody walking along, I'd have left the road to Him. But there was enough difference in Him, they couldn't recognize Him right off. It says, the original says, their eyes were prevented from seeing Him. He walked and talked with them. They still didn't know Him. There's enough difference so that if you're on this side, you won't recognize the other side. But we're going to be like Him. Therefore, we're going to know Him. On the time their eyes were open when they sat down and He started breaking bread, they said, where have we seen that before? I preached one time on the subject, my, how this man can break bread. Nobody had ever seen it done like that before. Oh, glory to God. But we're going to be changed into His likeness. And we'll see and we'll talk about it some more tomorrow. Praise God. Well, some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise.